Hi, ACB. My name is Doug Powell, and I'm running for a second term on the Board of Directors. I promise to continue to model leadership qualities, mentor leadership in others, and advocate effectively at the national, state, and local levels. I'd very much appreciate your vote. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in, everyone, to another lovely Friday evening, at least this evening here on the East Coast, um, to Visibilities. I want to welcome you all. I will have a couple of important announcements at the end of our show tonight, but without any further ado, I want to thank Larry Gassman for streaming this evening, and I want to introduce my cohort in all of this, uh, Phyllis Burson, who is going to be talking with us tonight about our good night's sleep and our dreams, why we dream what we dream. Um, I'm not going to even try to go on any further because Phyllis is just so wonderful in all of this. And so good evening, Phyllis. Hi, everybody. Hi, Terry and Larry. Tonight we are going to dream on. And if you have questions left over from last time about sleep, especially non-24 or anything else, I'll be happy to answer those also. Tonight, I'm not going to interpret any individual's dreams, but we're going to talk about dreams uh, in a more general way. We can't get into individuals. But hopefully, you will get some more knowledge about what dreams are, what they do, and how you can actually have more control of your dreams if you want to do that. Just very quickly to go over, when we go to sleep, there are three different levels of sleep. As we get deeper and we have slower brain, brain waves, whoops, brain waves going into deeper sleep. Then, after maybe 90 minutes approximately, we start what they're called REM sleep. And that is rapid eye movement sleep, R-E-M. And in that phase of the sleep cycle, we are often dreaming. What they do is in a sleep center, if they wake people during that period of time in REM sleep, 80% of the time people will tell them that they're having dreams and can relay them. Very often when we wake up, we may remember our dreams, but only very fleetingly. They fade away as soon as we get wide awake. 
So one thing is, if you want to remember more of your dreams for any reason, it's a good idea to have either something to write with or a recorder right at your bedside so that you can write down or record immediately what you dream so that you can remember it. And, of course, we don't usually remember all of our dreams. We remember parts. We do also have what are called non-REM dreams in other parts of our sleep cycle, but they are not as dramatic, they are not as long, they are not as interesting as those we have during REM sleep. So tonight we're going to focus mostly on the dreams that we have during our REM sleep. The first part of the night, you don't have very many. You start out, maybe you have 10 minutes of REM sleep. But then as the night goes on, assuming you're sleeping and staying asleep, your dreams get, their dream time gets longer and longer. And what we assume here is that you've gotten some dose already of the deep sleep that you need, and now it's time to get more of the REM sleep. So, Sleep and dreams have, of course, been looked at, and people tried to figure them out since ancient times. And dreams have been given, as you may know, many different types of understanding. Actually, in Greece, there were temples in which there were people, priests and priestesses, and you could come into the temple try to have a dream, and then they would help you interpret your dream. Of course, who knows exactly how much of their interpretation was accurate and how much they wanted to say. But in many cultures, in certain cultures, they think of dreams as omens of what's going to bring the future or somehow connecting with another world or connecting with ancestors. There are all sorts of different ways of looking at dreams. And we didn't know anything or very much about the real physiology of dreams until 1953 when they were studying people in a sleep lab in Chicago, University of Chicago, actually where I got my degree, but not at that time. And they got tired of staying up all night watching somebody sleep. So they said, okay, we'll turn on the recorder. And they've discovered to their surprise that at a certain time, people's eyes started moving very rapidly. This was REM sleep coming. And then they started studying that and its association with dreams and so forth. So, of course, since then, there have been many, many studies of that period, and as I said, they wake people up and ask them what they're dreaming about and so forth. And one thing that some of you might be interested in is that people, well, we all dream four to five times a night, but many of us don't remember them or remember very few of them. People that have a rich dream life are often more creative people. So some of you who are writers or musicians and so forth, 
you may connect your dreams with creativity. And actually, there have been discoveries that have been partially made or made during dreams. One example of this was that there was a chemist, Kukuli, who was trying to figure out what a certain how a certain compound was made, benzene. Benzene is actually a circle of atoms or a ring, but he was he couldn't figure it out. And one night he had a dream about a snake chasing itself, chasing its tail in a circle. And then when he woke up, he realized that that was how benzene was composed. And there have been musical compositions that at least are said to be done at night, such as a Beatles song and Rite of Spring by Stravinsky and others. So it's just something that to keep in mind, if you like to be creative, you might want to think about that. Okay, so why do we dream? Well, dreaming is very important, or at least REM sleep is very important. It helps us to consolidate our memories that we have made during the day to consolidate our learning. In other words, to get it into our memory and keep it there into long-term memory. And it also helps us forget because, as I believe I said last time, we don't want to remember everything, else your mind would be totally crowded. But it helps to do that. It also helps us to with our emotions. And this is very important because people who have, have lost REM sleep, who are sleep-deprived or REM sleep-deprived, have stronger emotional reactions to things which can get them in trouble, like more fear, more anger, and so forth. And we believe that during our dreams, which are, which are really pretty emotional, actually, that that helps to calm us down and help us to regulate our emotions. So there are and people who of REM sleep or of sleep in general, but also just of REM sleep, then when they have an opportunity, they get more REM sleep. They start earlier in the night and they take more REM sleep. They get, they get more. So what do we dream about? Well, many things, okay? They think. Now, remember that most of the dreams that are collected are done in a laboratory. So you do have to remember that people might not be willing to say everything that they dream about. They might not be willing to tell the stranger everything. But you do have to remember that, that lab dreams may be somewhat different from home dreams. But the most common kinds of emotion people have are being ambivalent about something or being confused. And then, you know, concerned, worried, and so forth. For instance, 
some kinds of common dreams that people may have. Uh, us who are students or have been students for many years may have dreams about failing exams or forgetting about exams and then suddenly you realize, oh my, there's an exam now and I've completely forgotten to study for it or other things related to school. You can't find the room. That's one common type of dream that people have. Another kind of dream that's common that some people have is of being chased and and then sometimes caught, actually. And that's a very common type of dream, which, of course, is pretty negative. There are also positive dreams that many of us have. And some people uh, have more positives than negatives, but a number of people have really more confusion dreams and so forth because it's thought that in your sleep you're trying to work out these things. People are also working out problems in their dreams. And so if you go to bed and you think, well, I just can't solve this, I can't solve this, I can't figure it out, Sometimes when you wake up, you have an answer. Not always, but sometimes it helps. A lot of our dreams are pretty mundane, but they're also very strange (laughs) because, you know, people change into other people. We are at home and then suddenly we're maybe in the house that we grew up in or somewhere else and Things move around very quickly. They're jumbled. And there are various thoughts about why this is. One thing is that that it's our neurons that are just kind of themselves kind of jumbled up and moving around. Actually, when you're asleep, your brain, some parts of your brain are more active when you're dreaming and asleep, and some parts of your dream are of your brain are less active. So it isn't just that things completely shut down, but some things get more active, some things get less active. And for example, there are animals, certain animals that sleep with only half their brain, like dolphins, for example. The left side of their brain may be asleep, but the right side of their brain is awake, and then the opposite. Because, as you can imagine, a lot of animals have to be somewhat careful and on guard all the time, or one of their predators might find them. So they can't completely sleep. And actually, when when your animals are in safer places, like when a bear is in a cave hibernating or a cat is somewhere where it's really safe, they sleep longer. They, t- they take more time sleeping than they do because they feel more secure. And that may be true of you, too. You may sleep more at times when you feel more secure. A lot of people have the experience of when they go on vacation. At the beginning of their vacation, they sleep more because they're away from a lot of the stresses their lives, and they just crash, 
And uh, okay, I am happy to talk more, but also I would like to know if there are any questions at this point or comments, Terry. Hi. Um, right now, I don't see any hands up yet. I see I one. Wanna, I see Annie uh, Davis. Okay, yes, Annie Davis, you are up. And I was just going to, if you can hold on for just one second, Annie. Sure. Um, I just wanted to remind folks how to mute and unmute and raise your hand. Um, we've got several yes. people, a few people on here tonight that I'm not overly familiar with. I'm glad you've joined us. But um, I just want to make sure everyone knows how to do this. Uh, on the PC, to raise your hand, you use Alt-Y. On the Mac, with um, Alt-A. Uh, on the... Um, um, smartphone, I'm sorry, I couldn't get it out right. Um, you want to... I've said this all totally wrong. Let me try this all over again. I'm looking at the wrong list. I'm looking at the webinar list and fouled it up. On the, to mute, to raise your hand on your PC, you want to use Alt Y. To, um, on the Mac, to raise your hand, use Option Y. On the smartphone, from the app, the raise hand is under the more button in the lower left. Oh, my. And I can't believe I'm doing this so badly. Um, and in the, on the landline phone, I'm sorry, on the landline phone, it's um, star six. On the to rate that's okay let's go with that far and then we can do the meeting i think most everybody knows but let's just go with that because i've completely lost the file it has gone somewhere into cyberspace on my computer today it's been that kind of a day i think mickey mouse stole it if you want to know the truth <laughs> we're so dependent on our computers on our we files. are we are. Annie Davis, I'm sorry. You're more than welcome to unmute. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. They, oh, my goodness. I'm really appreciating this conversation because this is a topic I've always been fascinated with. I'm wondering if you could talk more about recurring dreams because I have had, I keep having some recurring <sighs> dreams, some that I like more than others. And I'm not liking some of the recurring dreams that I have been having, particularly dreams that I'm in high school and I'm going home and realizing I have all this homework that I didn't write down or that I forgot I had, or there were some books that I had forgotten to take home. I've had these dreams constantly. It's like, and I think I'm getting into fight or flight mode. Like, how do I stop these? Cause I've had them for years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, those kinds of dreams are very common. As I said, well, partly it's our society. And, you know, education is important and succeeding in education is, you know, made out to be very important. So we get anxious when we don't do it. And so what happens is, even though you probably haven't been in school for a long time, when you get anxious 
about something else, some of those dreams tend to recur. So it probably means that you're having stress somewhere in your life. I don't know if you notice if you have them more at times when you're more stressed or not, but that that happens. I I have a recurring dream that uh, I've had off and on that there are, I'm in my parents' home and there are small fires that are starting and I'm trying to put them out and nobody else notices them. And I'm sometimes I'm trying to call the fire department and the phone won't work and so forth. And I notice that I get those dreams only when I am stressed. And actually, I only get those dreams when I think of, when I'm stressed thinking about something about my parents. But that that's probably what's going on is that they're related to stress. Does that make sense to you? Oh, I've already muted um, here. Yeah, and I was also wondering, because I tend to have a lot of my dreams right before I wake up, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's some significance to that, like right before my alarm goes off was when I really have interesting dreams. Well, yes, because those are the times when you remember it. First of all, it's at the end of the evening, and so you're more, you're probably in a later state of sleep. And you're just ready to go. And I, I don't know if your alarm goes off or if it's just before your alarm goes. But just as you're waking up at the end of the night is when we tend to remember more dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the state of our brain at that, that point. And as I said, they get longer and get more interesting as the night wears on. So the mm-hmm. answer is yes. Thank you. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and oh yes, we have several. So if everyone could just make your question as succinct as possible, hopefully we'll be able to get to everyone's questions. Uh, Derek, you can unmute. Yeah, hi. Good evening. Um, thanks for an interesting show. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, What's up? I, uh, let me just turn off the uh, voiceover because I keep hearing it. Okay. Okay, there we go. Um, I've been having, uh, I can't recall when I last had a deep night's sleep where I just woke up and I felt refreshed. I do have them once in a while, but they seem few and far between. Uh, The one thing I do know is that I have these combined dreams sometimes. I don't know if they're on the same evening or separate, but some evenings are very fond family memories, specifically uh, at a place we used to go for vacations, a certain city in South Africa where I grew up. And um, other nights I just have these weird paranormal dreams are where they're monsters and you know and the the holiday dreams with my family are very happy very peaceful i i just you know i can't understand why i'm having such extreme dreams from weird uh to to beautiful and then the other thing the lady who just spoke before me like her, I too seem to recall my my dreams 
uh, early in the morning. I typically, for whatever reason, will very often wake up at like 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., but not because I'm ready to get out of bed. I just wake up and I go back to sleep. And at that time seems to be where I have some of the most intense dreams. And I assume what you answered the previous uh, lady on applies to that scenario. But if you could clarify, thank you. Do you mean after you wake up a second time or do you mean when you wake up that first time and then go back to sleep? When do you have I typically will wake up at 3 a.m. and I have no uh, real idea why. I then go back to sleep and typically around about probably 4 or 5 a.m. I'm having dreams. Now, they could either be the weird ones or they could be the happy family memories and so Mm -hmm. on. And then... I typically will wake up from those dreams, I guess, somewhere between about 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. And mm-hmm. I, because I'm tired, I, I don't know why I'm tired, but I go back to sleep at typically till about 8, 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I to remember those dreams very, very vividly, uh, specifically the friendly, happy ones. Yes, well, I'm glad you have some happy ones. Um, <laughs> as I said, uh, <laughs> that you know we have some happy ones and then some some uh, some unhappy ones. And it sounds like uh, you might be interested in learning how to do what's called lucid dreaming, which is to try to manage some of the unhappy dreams that you have. Um, now, I, I can talk a little about that, but maybe I should take a few questions. But that has to do with learning to control your dreams. And some people are better at it than others, but you, many people can learn to think, to feel like they're, to understand that they're asleep, but they're actually dreaming. I imagine some of you have had that experience where you know you're dreaming. So you're conscious enough to know you're dreaming, but you actually are asleep. And if you can get yourself into that state, and there are ways to do that um, for many people, then you can actually have some control of your dreams, which can be fun and it can be useful. And one of the things that uh, some guy, a guy who was studying lucid dreaming and wanted to prove that it actually was true, set up a signal that he would move his eyes in a certain way when he was doing this lucid dreaming, when he realized that he was actually asleep but dreaming. And they had an EEG because he was a sleep researcher. And they actually set it up, and after a number of tries, he could learn to move his eyes in such a way that it affected the EEG machine, which is electroencephalograph. And so they knew they could, that was a way he communicated with people who were awake to show them that he was really understanding that he was dreaming. So, uh, 
there, there could be many reasons why you're waking up. Many of us wake up a number of times during the night. And, but if you're not waking up and feeling good in the morning, then something is going on that's not the best. You might want to check it out with somebody. Okay. Our next question is from Beth on her iPhone. Hey, guys. Hi. Thank you so much. Hi, this Beth. Is so interesting. Hi. First of all, when you were discussing different discoveries made by people who dreamed and answered their question, the Crick and Watson, the guys who did the DNA, discovered the DNA double helix. I forgot which one of those guys, but one of them dreamed it. And... That's how, if, if, yeah. if memory yeah. serves correctly, he dreamed that. So I thought that was very, yeah, a, very a interesting. Lot of people, that is very interesting. Actually, um, Mary, whatever her name is, who wrote about Frankenstein, actually had Frankenstein in her dreams also before she created the oh, story. Oh, that's right. About- yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to say real quick was, I have had no vision since I was about a year old, and in 2008, I lost half my hearing, but I still dream, of course, I dream blind, totally blind, but I dream hearing. Isn't that interesting? Can you put any kind of explanation to that? And thank you very much. Yes. Um, I I forgot what you said about when you lost your, oh, since you were one year old, I think you said. Yeah, that that was the vision. The hearing, I lost my half hearing in 2008. Yeah. Right. So if people lose their vision before the age of, say, four or five, often they dream as if they were blind. They don't dream with vision. But if they have vision after that and lose it, they retain it. The same thing is true of hearing. If you lose your hearing later in life, you retain that in your dreams. So that's why you're still hearing in your dreams because it was set down when you were young. And that's the effect. Okay, Carrie? Okay. Um, We really need to keep them short. I hate to be hounding, but we have eight more calls and nowhere near that much time. So let's see if we can get as many in as possible. Beth, you can unmute now. There's another Beth. This is the other Beth. This is Beth from New Mexico. Okay. Yes. Um, isn't uh, isn't a lot of times the the dreamer um, isn't that the perception of the dreamer uh, involved in a lot of ways because um, there's a lot of spiritual and metaphysical dreams and and also. Um, I beg to differ with you in that uh, I dream I I've never been able to see fully, but I dream that I I dream like I'm sighted. But you see, I don't know if it's just because of the clear mental images I get. Mm-hmm. But I, I never carry a cane or anything in my dreams. Okay, but you still see some, right? In in life. I see, yes, light, shadows, movement, shapes. Right. Yes. Okay. So, okay, so uh, that that's enough so that you would have that. I'm talking about people who have completely lost their sight early in oh, life. Oh, okay, that's fascinating. I've always been fascinated with this subject. Mm-hmm, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, like about the spiritual or metaphysical dreams, like seeing um, ancestors or whatever, and then um, they want to tell you something, but you don't know what they want to tell you, but then something happens, and then you're like, oh, this is what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you got the message, but it what took you- a while. Yeah. What do you think of that? Do you do you agree or no? I think that it's own and people really differ about it. I mean, I tend I tend to be scientifically based about about dreams and uh so I'm less believe in that, but but everybody has a right to believe the way they want to. And as I say, many cultures, people in many cultures have believed that and found it useful. Oh. So whatever, whatever, you know, I think that uh, lots of things are not 100% known yet. And uh, our next call is Pam Coffey. Okay. Hi, Hello. Pam. This is this is fascinating. Um, when I was very young, I remembered my dreams, or at least a good portion of them, almost every night. Now that I'm getting older, and you know, I very rarely remember my dreams. But the question I really wanted to ask is: Okay, I'm blind from birth. And uh, I've often wondered if people who have never had sight, when they sleep, do they still have REM? Do their eyes move? Because, you know, when you're blind from birth, your eyes tend not to focus. And, and if you've never been able to see, so do people like us, uh, do our eyes actually move in what would be REM sleep? Yes, your eyes move. Now, I don't know move in a coordinated way or just how that works, but yes, mm-hmm. they do move because that's kind of, that that's physiologically based. So mm-hmm. your eyes would move. One of the things wow. I remember, is when I had cataract surgery, uh, they said, oh, we don't want you to get up out of bed. You've got to lie in bed because we don't want you to move your eyes around. <laughs> so that night I dreamt about being at a baseball game. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sure my eyes move plenty. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, thank you. Um, Deborah Jackson. You- Hi, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm from Denver. Um, uh, two things, real quick. I am uh, hard of hearing, and um, I can't hear the TV when I go to sleep. So I put an amplifier in my ear, that to speaker, so that I can, um, you know, like it put me to sleep, like reading a story. Mm-hmm. Well, it was up so loud that when I was trying to uh, talk with somebody, well, I keep saying hi, hi. And then I had to wake up and realize that my headset is on. And then, <laughs> yeah, I said, too. And I had, 
two deaths that happened. I dreamed that the first dream was I seen my uh, somebody in blue in a blue casket, and and uh, and I'm hearing my mother like after hearing her crying, and it turned out my brother passed away, and and I seen just how like I planned the whole fun- funeral. He, he was in the blue casket and everything the way my dream was. And, and mm-hmm. so now I take my dream serious when I know it's going to be a death because it happened again with um, my my boyfriend's mother. And it was like a circus funeral life. And I told him, I said, we're going to have a funeral. And we did. Well, the mm-hmm. third one was I was sitting on the bus stop with my mother and, and um, she gave me a small package. And, and I said, no, why I got to take a small package? So then I um, she gave me the big package. And then I was dreaming like dirt is rolling over on me, right? In in this little part of uh, uh, five points of Denver. Well, I told my husband, I'm I'm dreaming death. So when she was ready to have surgery, because she's in her 80, I had to touch her. And I told her, I said, I got to take death away, because I seen it in her eyes. Well, instead, I, um, it was like it was still in me. And then I went to shopping with my husband. And then it, and I seen his back, and it's like it came out of me to him, and he passed away. So I mm-hmm. felt like I saved my mother, but took my love away. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, those are the kinds of experiences that make people say, you know, there is something to dreams that's just beyond, you know, somehow they are humans or so forth. And many, yes. many people have those kinds of experiences, yes. Carrie? Okay, we are uh, uh, Mary Hillard. Hi, thank you very much for having this program. Dreams are always fascinating, and we always like to talk about our dreams. I have two kinds of dreams, and one is that um, they're always full of a lot of people. And um, a lot of times they're going, we're all going someplace. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is ready except for me, and I can't find my shoes. Or okay. I, I've got my jacket on inside out. No, I don't like this outfit. I've got to change it. And, I, and I'm so concerned because everybody else is ready, and they, they might leave me. And <clears throat> the other flip side of that is that a lot of times I'm going someplace with a group of people, and we're going to be staying um, say in a big house and we all have to choose our bedrooms and I want to find just the right room that where I will be part of the group, but I want to be able to get away from everybody. And I love being with people, um, but I also live alone Mm -hmm. and have for many years. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the, the first thing you described sounds again like a stress anxiety dream that you know you're you're concerned you're not you're not up with everybody else you're not making it and so forth uh which is a very common kind of dream you know that that we're somehow we're not everybody else is doing something but we're not and uh the second one i'm not quite sure i would have to have you describe more, which I guess we don't have time to do, but, you know, it's probably another category of something that you want. Maybe you want to sort of limit 
how much you're with people. We all have a certain amount that we want to be with people, and we have a certain sort of set limit that we want to be by ourselves. So that could be related to that or something else. But those are themes that you dream about very often. Terry? Nicolette? Hi. Thank you very much, Terry. Um, I find it fascinating because um, of this whole discussion, a lot of people have said that dreams take place in a different dimension. And when you're talking about the lucid dreaming, I'd really like to know more about that because I never know I'm in a dream. They're always extremely realistic. But one of the problems I've had over the years, it's not that frequent, but I'll be in the midst of a perhaps a really bad dream, a terrifying dream, or maybe not so bad. And I'll wake up and then maybe I'll go to the bathroom or maybe I'll just turn over and go back to sleep. And I go right back into the dream. And then I wake up again and I'll get up and I'll walk around. I'll go back to bed. I'll go back into the dream. And this will happen three or four times until I finally give up and then I just stay up. But I can't get away from that dream. What, what does that mean? Does it mean that I'm really terrified of something that might happen? Or, I mean, has anybody else ever experienced that? I mean, it's I've, different I've from the experienced that actually, that you wake up and then you go back into the same bad dream, right? Right. And and I think what it means is you just haven't gotten away enough from it that you're still caught up in it. And you really have to completely wake yourself up to get out of it. And uh, now you're talking about nightmares. And one of the things to do with lucid dreaming is to help people with nightmare. Uh, I had a client once who had been uh, in the military, actually in another country, and he had terrible nightmares every night. And, and we talked about how he could change his nightmare. I mean, it's not something you do overnight. Definitely. But, you know, those kinds of things can be worked on. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. And our last call is going to be from Wanda. Hi, Wanda. Wanda, you can unmute. There you are. Yes. Um, Hi. I just have a a quick question. Um, Terry, thanks for this. This is a really interesting topic, as everyone says. Um, I do, like the other callers, you know, I have the lucid dream, I have the recurring dream. And for me, I recognize that most of my dreams are trying to help me resolve things that are going on in my life. So my question is, do you, is there a book that you recommend that I could read to help me interpret my dreams and kind of help me work through these emotional issues that I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing? Okay. Um, I don't have at my fingertips dreams, but you can go on to Bard or Bookshare if you have those. Mm-hmm. And there are there are many books about sleep and sleeping and dreaming that you can read. Okay. So there are plenty okay. of plenty of resources. So I just thought maybe you had one that was you know you know not your favorite necessary, but something that you recommended that you know was like uh, no, uh, actually, you know. I I don't have one. I I. Looked okay. at several books, but sorry about okay. that. Thank you very, thank okay. you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Do we have anybody else? We don't, right? We Not don't, uh, which works out well. Um, we probably have about a two-minute wrap-up, two or three minutes. Okay, if you sure. Wrap up a bit. Well, I will wrap up a little bit. That if you want to change your dreams, well, okay. Let, let's talk about. I'll take the two minutes just to talk about uh, something you can do that's kind of fun. Um, which is actually related to one way of handling dreams, which is to take your dream, think about it as a story that's happening in the present, and then act out each part of your dream, and each person in your dream, and each thing in your dream. This is actually gestalt for you, those of you who are familiar with it. Like if you're dreaming about uh, somebody wearing a coat, then you act as that person. And you talk like what that person is saying. And then you say, all right, what would the coat say in this dream? What would the pot say that's over on the stove? And actually, you can find out some rather interesting emotional things if you do something that that come out. It's fun to do that. Okay. Uh, is that Very interesting. We did have one more hand that went up, but I'm sorry, we just don't have the time for it. Um, well, maybe we can, if you can make it very, very quick. Um, Anna. Anna Beckles? Anna, yes. Yes. There well, you I, are. Okay. Yes. Um, good night, everybody. It's nighttime here. Um, okay. I when I was small, mostly I used to dream about this white thing. Think about soap suds without bubbles. And um, it can come in any size and any shape. But when it touches you, it's a very unbearable feeling. So it's more or less something you're very afraid of to come near you. And um, I don't know how to explain the feeling, but it's a very severe, um, severely unpleasant feeling. So can you explain to me um, your interpretation? Never saw it on Earth yet, but and I hope we don't ever see it on Earth either. But can you interpret that for me? I'm sorry. I couldn't hear all of that. There's some noise in the background, and my well, hearing is not great. So if somebody can tell me exactly what you were wanting interpreted, I, I'm sorry. He has uh, had recurring dreams where there are bubbles and no, without without bubbles, it's it's a, it's like the face, the face without the bubbles. Oh, the face with the bubbles. The fit, no, the fizz, fizz. Oh, the fizz, the, the fizz. Ah, the fizz. Uh huh. And was that? Was and it turns out it's painful. Not painful is an unbearable feeling when it was touches it you. Related to the fizz. Well, and it you causes might... a jerk. Yeah, I. I think that is something that you would want to look into. And, for example, you might try this. Try try saying the dream. Trying to think what it's related to in your life. Uh, be the fizz. Be the bubble. Be something. And see what comes out of it. Because this is something very personal. As all of our dreams are. They all have personal meanings. And so I can't tell you what that means, but you can perhaps look into it and think about how that's related, how it's associated with something in your life. Right. And 
And with that, I thank you, Phyllis. This has been a wonderful two-part series that it sounds like we could do it on a regular basis almost. Um, there have been so many people that have been so interested and, and have been interesting with their questions and all of your thoughts and input on it. Um, I just want to thank you very, very much for working with me on this project. Well, and thank you, Terry. And thanks, Larry, for helping out. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, it would be lost without Larry. I do have a few quick announcements for folks. Uh, number one, um, this Sunday, we are doing a... I have been asked to co to guest host uh, Anthony Corona's Sunday edition from 1 to 3. And in the afternoon, that's Eastern time. And it's going to be on women of ACB. Now, we know that the women have run ACB in an awful lot of ways for an awfully long time. Um, it's just a sampling. There's, there's no reason why, other than the fact that there are so many people who have who are active and have been active in ACB through the years. Uh, we couldn't possibly have them all on. And so Anthony has contacted several people who have responded. I think we're going to have most, if not all, of the women who are running for office this year at, in ACB. We are also going to have, um, I think it's Laurie Scharf and Linda Perel from the ACB Women's committee and i think laurie Scharf and maybe someone else is going to talk on education and we're going to have a couple of other people that uh have been involved women who have been involved in acb i want to do a little bit of a tribute to um teddy joy remhild you know that the vision serve alliance and uh Mark Reichert announced it last week. They've made a lot of progress in the past week on the Teddy Joy Law for uh, people who are aging with vision loss. So we'll probably have a little something about that on. But all of that's taking place Sunday afternoon, and I would love for all of you to join me on a Sunday edition. It's at 1 to 3 on Media 1. And... The link will be going out again. Anthony's put it out, and I'm putting it out again tomorrow. That's my first announcement. My second announcement is I know that there are several people on this call tonight and other people that you know who will be attending the convention this year, and it may be your first time. It may be um, something that's a little foreign to you. Um, one of the things that I think is extremely a, a great benefit to this year's convention being virtual is that it gives you the opportunity. It gives us all the opportunity to attend any portion of any special interest affiliates program. The special interest affiliates have worked very hard. There's a lot of people behind the programming for each of the special interest affiliates and they've put together some fabulous sessions that are going to take place primarily 
after two o'clock each afternoon. They basically run from two to nine or ten every night, every day. Um, they run part of the day on. There's a lot going on on Friday, the first Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Um, don't just hang out. You know, one of the great things with the ACB link and with Alexa is that you can jump from one special interest affiliate, just jump in and see what they're about, to another very, very quickly. You don't have to run between rooms and floors like you do at a at a person-to-person convention. It's much easier to check them out. And I think that you'd find that there's a lot of a lot going on in our in our special interest affiliates and really may find a new a whole new niche and so as i say they basically run all days uh, saturday friday saturday and sunday and then during the general sessions they do not run during general session they the uh, special interest affiliates have always respected the idea of the agreement that they made many years ago that special that ACB ran mornings and special interests ran in the afternoon. And so I hope you all really, really enjoy the convention and try out some of the special interests. You really might find some fun. Um, I know I'm going to be doing the trivial pursuit on Wednesday night and I'm also presenting at the DKM first timers reception that night. And there's a lot of other things going on that are that really can be of great interest to you. And the third thing is that we, because of the convention, I will not be on for the next two weeks. But when we come back, we will have all learned a lot about people from all over the country. But someone suggested to me the other day, and I thought it sounded like fun. Let's do a hometown get-together where we will um, call in and just tell us, tell us about your hometown. You know, what, did it, what part did, has it played in history? What are the good things and the bad things? You know, just where you grew up, you know, maybe you're still there. Maybe you've got an adopted hometown like I do now. Um, but I'll still tell you all about my hometown, my, my real hometown, probably. Um, and that kind of thing. So I think that's what's going to be our first show after first or second show after the convention. We may do a convention wrap up, but I think everybody's going to be kind of tired of those by the time we get to Friday after the week after convention. Um, so with all of that, I want to wish you all a great time at the convention. A wonderful week ahead. And I want to thank Phyllis again for working with me and the Metropolitan Washington Ear to put this two-part series together. And we will be getting back probably in August to um, the two separate programs on on ACB Media. I'm going to get used to that term. Uh, And on the community calls so watch out for both of us and thank you all again for joining us this evening